Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound mixing. How's it going? Boys, rejoining us, I am really excited to announce, in fact, it is the perfect time for her, an 11-year veteran of Yahoo Sports, where she's covered the Olympics, the Super Bowl, Final Four, UFC title fights, and focused on college basketball specifically for the last half decade, an NBA draft guru and expert, and the absolute perfect person you want to talk to. If you want hoop knowledge during a quarantine, Miss Kristen Peek, what's going on, Kristen? Hello. Thank you for having me. You know, usually around this time, I would be very incredibly busy between the McDonald's All-American game and flying the Final Four. But here we are, and now I have all the time in the world. So I'm really happy to join you guys and talk about basketball. Yeah, let the record reflect that I'm embarrassed to admit this. So before the mics went hot, we were just kind of trying to catch up with KP, and we're asking her what she did today. And she just casually reveals that she's watching a random UNLV game from 2012, and then just submits that she's the greatest sports fan of all time, just firing off random UNLV names. I couldn't even pretend like I knew any of them. So yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with how you're spending your time so far. Well, listen, when you're, you have to cover a sport that isn't happening right now, you have to get creative with the content that you choose to write about. So, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's kind of like finding a needle in a haystack, like, oh, what do people want to know? And, and then, but yes, I do, while I'm working from home, I find myself watching a lot of old McDonald's All-American games that are being shown right now. I watched a few LeBron James high school games. I've seen some NBA games. I rewatched a game from 1995 when the Utah Jazz played the Denver Nuggets, and it was the game where John Stockton passed Magic Johnson in the all-time assist leader. And sure. I loved it. And I'm just like, what is wrong with me that this is something that I'm actively watching? You know, I- that and Tiger King, so... You know, I had the exact same experience. I watched about 18 seconds of Warriors highlights on my phone today. So it's about, you know, they're just about the same. I feel like those two things uh, completely average out. Uh, Marcus, Maxime, how's this pod finding you guys? I'm cool. Um, I was actually, you know, I was just wondering, um, Kristen, do you, with the March Madness tournament not happening, it, it just occurred to me that that's a really great opportunity um, for some players to move up or down in the draft. Like, generally speaking, is this like a, a real missed opportunity for scouts? Okay. there. This is, I've talked to a lot of NBA teams the last three weeks 
because now that they don't have the tournament, you know, they really want to deep dive and kind of hone in on the players that are on their short list of a draft board. Um, and I'll say, I'll say a few things. Um, one, there are players that are going to get picked much higher than they would have been this year because um, teams are now looking for this sure thing. Do you know what I mean? And so they're give not going to take a gamble. Give us some names. Who? Who are you talking about I, when you say okay. that? It's funny because I'm writing an article about this right now. Um, the sure thing is you know exactly what you're getting in a player. So a kid like Trey Jones from Duke, who's the point guard, you already know who he is because he's a better version of his brother who's a backup point guard at Memphis. <laughs> so if teams are looking, if they want to take a gamble with a Nico Mannion or a, a Cole Anthony who showed a little bit of inconsistencies late in the season, they might shoot Trey up the draft. Um, another player, Tyrese Halliburton, you kind of know exactly what you're getting with him. He uh, is went to Iowa State, um, broke his wrist late in the season, but teams have a very solid understanding of who he is as a player. They would choose him over someone like Tyrese Maxey or, you know, Jaden McDaniels from Washington. Tyrese was, was um, a Kentucky guard. Um, so there's a few players that will, this will probably help them. And then again, on the flip side, it's like there's players that could have excelled and from out of nowhere, you know, like um, players like Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. He's a guard there. He's a fringe second rounder right now, but if San Diego State did well in the tournament, I'm not saying they would have. Yeah, that could have helped his draft stock, and now that's not even—it's it's not even a possibility. So there's no NCAA tournament, there's no individual workouts happening, and there's probably not going to be a combine. So in a draft that's already weak, this is like the perfect storm for these NBA teams trying to figure out and differentiate who they want to pick and add to their program. You and I need to reach an agreement before this podcast continues. Instead of calling the draft week, because you know how desperate I am for the Warriors <laughs> to get good again, we're going to call it top okay. heavy. Top, top heavy, heavy is what we're going to call it, okay? Because then, then we can all kind of, you know, sigh, uh, sigh, breathe for the So what you were just talking about is exactly why I was really excited to talk to you today. So the first time we talked to you this year about the draft, it was back in November and we learned a ton about these players, but the big thing that's shifted since then is the idea that there's no more hoop being played and all of the knowledge that these NBA guys are going to have, they have now the tape that exists is going to exist. So I wanted to retouch base with you and find out the landscape as it exists now. And let me follow with what you just said. Is there, well, in fact, let me, let me start even broader. When an NBA, person contacts you what are they looking for are they or do they have one player they want to hear about are they literally just open-ended asking you you know who's jumped out in your mind how do those conversations go so it's kind of a bit of both like um before this whole COVID-19 and everything happens you know they would fly me out and I would sit in a conference room with 16 people in their front office and we would just go through a working mock draft that I had or a list of players um, that were like like top 30 prospects, top 100 prospects or whatever. And we would just go through them. And yeah, they would just ask, what about this person? Is there going to be a locker room issue? Um, I heard their mom's crazy. Can you collect and tell me if that's true or not? You know, because they don't want any problems off the court and they want to make sure they're going to work hard on the court and that money changes everyone. Right. But it's, it's a balancing of how much is it going to change them. Have you, you ever know? answered so that want... question? 
I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just kind of like a balancing act. They want to try to get as much information as possible. Have you ever answered the is his mom crazy question? Yes. Or any similar question. And you don't have to give us a name if you want to protect the person. But I'd love to hear how that went. Yes, I have. I have answered it. But the thing that I tell them, because they'll relay some story that they heard from so and so, whatever. And I say, look, I am in I am in their son's corner. You know, like I'm trying to make their kid look as good as possible on camera and the content I'm putting out. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to help them reach their goals. So the parents are always pretty nice to me. I mean, I've seen, oh my gosh, I saw a mother once. She's crazy. Um, she, her son wasn't playing very well. And she went onto the court, physically grabbed him by the jersey, pulled him down and yelled in her face, you're an effing five star, start playing like it. And then shot <laughs> him back. <laughs> so you see very like intense, parent moments like that but um that's not super yeah, good you you're not really, you yeah. don't immediately give them like five stars when you see the parent come out of the uh, out of stands <laughs> like that marcus would you be a parent like so in my biggest fear chris and i have a, a four-year-old daughter um i'm already making her a way too competitive person i mean we race with things like who can put on their socks faster you know so i'm i'm trying to create a a competitive personality with her i am terrified that i'm going to be like the mom that you just described maybe not that bad but like you know, taking things too serious. MT, would you be like that? Do you think you'd be an insane parent or would you be able to dial it back? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I mean, I, I like to say that I would dial it back and be fine, but be like in the moment when the competition's happening, if my son or daughter is, you know, a top prospect and, you know, they're not playing for some reason, I probably would give an earful to the coach if they're not, if they're not getting calls, I'd probably give an earful to the referee. So, um, you know, like being calm and not in the moment, I would, I say, no, I'd be fine. But I think in the moment, you, parents get caught up in it pretty easily when it's your own kid. Marcus, <laughs> you, you say this so calmly, like you will 100% be that crazy parent. Like, stop <laughs> saying, oh, I don't know, maybe not. Like, I have seen the nicest people in the world off the court turn into maniacs when their kids are playing. Like you will 100% be that parent. Well, and Christian, he just gave us the parameters for it. If his kid doesn't get enough minutes, the coach is getting an earful. <laughs> if the kid is not playing up to how good he should be playing, that kid's getting an earful. Yeah, so I I think we got a little glimpse into uh, Marcus's kid's future. Um, I have a quick question, uh, KP. So is there like a threshold or a limit for analysis paralysis? Like, is there a point where mm -hmm some of these teams and scouts like they look too deep into a player and they're just like skipping over the fact like look i understand these things don't check out but the tape says and when this player is on the court he delivers so at some point you just have to say the eye test is a lot stronger than all these than the sum of the combine and all these you know crazy questions and background checks yeah, and you know what? Um, that's a great point because I just spoke to a team um, earlier this week, and and I said, "Oh, are you guys bummed that there's no tournament, there's no Final Four? They're like, "Well, actually, we're looking at it on the better side. We've been watching a core group of players the entire season, and not having a tournament actually reinforces our decisions because what happens in the tournament is guys like Dante Divincenzo or Jarrett Culver last year just kind of go on runs." And then you're like, then you're forced to take a look at him. Even if you didn't watch him the entire season or 
want to take him in the draft. Do you know what I mean? So the way that they explained it to me was they were just given more confidence and more time to deep dive on the players that they actually want to hone in on and give a chance. Yeah, that makes sense. What I'd love to do with you, Kristen, so this is ultimately going to crescendo. As we're discussing this top-heavy draft, it's going to crescendo (laughs) in to who the Warriors might be able to take at the top end of it. But before we focus on the Warriors-specific, I want to get a sense of some of these players. And what I'm going to do is ask you skill-specific questions, just so that we can get a sense of who you think is out there and how each of these players might be able to help. And here's my first one. I wasn't going to lead with this, but I'm now – really focused in on it. Are there any crazy mom or crazy parent <laughs> players in this draft? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's on the lower spectrum. I've seen way crazier parents go very high in the draft. Um, this one, it's more just like, like, uh, they just won't shut their mouth. You know, it's not, I mean, we have, Levar, we have to remember we have LeVar Ball, Ball in of the course. draft. Yeah. You know, saying, I think he said late last week that um, he was better than Zion was at Zion's age or something like some, <laughs> something ridiculous, you know? So um, yeah, there are, there are some crazy parents, but then there's also some like really great families and, and great kids. Like this kid Zeke Naji, who probably be a late first rounder. He just declared for the draft. Um, he's from Arizona. He actually grew two inches over the summer and, I saw him when they were playing USC and after the game, I said to him, cause I, I was, it's all of a sudden becoming real to him. Like he's going to be an NBA player. And he said to me, he's like, KP, I wasn't even supposed to be a starter this year. Like what is happening? Mm-hmm. And I said, I know this is, this is incredible. It's, it's going to be a fast ride. And now it's definitely going to be unique. Like we don't know what the draft is going to look like, but so for players like that, when I see them getting, getting you know just the appreciation and seeing their draft stock rise like that when they come from a great family and i've seen the hard work that he puts in like i'm i'm excited for him but no there are crazy parents i'm not going to tell you who they are but no yeah. of course and and if we back up and i should have asked you just with like a, a generalized question so after speaking with some of these nba teams do you have any sense on how the draft process is going to work i mean like whether or not they're going to have a draft camp when the draft is going to be i mean any of these things we've always taken for granted do they know when any of them are going to happen or if they're going to happen? I mean, I pose the questions. I'm like, do you guys think you'll do virtual workouts? They're like, no, that's not happening. Like, we're not going to do a virtual workout when we can't get eyes on a guy. Yep. You know, it's a big difference from watching someone through a computer screen and seeing them in person because you're sure. looking at different things. Um, but, you know, I've talked to uh, Denny. I know we've talked about Denny before. Abhija, um, I talked to his agent yesterday. And um, they're in no rush to declare for the draft. The EuroLeague is still suspended. They're reevaluating the middle of April. Hmm. And so they're waiting to declare. But they actually think that Denny is in a very favorable position because he's played against grown men and there is no NCAA tournament to kind of give players that platform like Obi Toppin to play against top teams, you know, like Kansas or North Carolina and see how they match up. So there's more of a confidence when you're looking at the overseas players because you've seen how they've compared against grown men and ex-NBA players. So um, he's they're feeling pretty confident and that they're in a good position. Um, I've heard teams say that they think the draft could be postponed to July all the way to September. Yeah. And they're really watching to see 
what how the NFL does it virtually to see if that's even an option. But every team that I talk to, I'm like, we need to try to avoid that as much as possible because this is a dream that these kids have been looking forward to their entire life. And to just like sit back and watch it virtually sure. happen, you know, with no, you, you don't walk across the stage, you don't shake hands, you don't do anything like it, it would be really, really sad. A, a ton of their collegiate experience has already been torn from them as it is, right? They didn't get to do the yeah. conference tournaments. They didn't get to go through the big dance. You know, I mean, that it would be another thing and maybe the biggest thing taken away from the collegiate career. So that makes sense to me. Um, let me give you a kind of a more uh, qualitative question. Uh, so not fit for the Warriors, just as far as talent in your mind. Who are the top five people in this draft? Talent-wise, I mean, like I said, it's it's a top-heavy draft. So nice, nicely done, Kristen. Go, oh, that's just yeah, you know what? That's yeah. that's the way I think about it too. It, it's weird that you and I are on the same page on that. <laughs> in terms of pure talent, I would go James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, Anthony Edwards. Um, maybe not Denny because I haven't seen him that much. Lamelo Ball and Tyrese Halliburton. Okay, um, and and I really wanted to use that as a setup to where did Obi Toppin come from? So, I mean, I, I, the last time you and I spoke, when we broke down the top five, four of those were there. Obi Toppin was not one of them. And I feel like in the last month or so, he has just rocketed up draft boards. Um, in fact, if I talk to someone who is a casual NBA fan, if they drop the name Obi Toppin, I immediately change my opinion. I'm like, oh, you, you obviously know what you're talking about. You've been violent it recently. So, <laughs> What's been going on? Why has he rocketed up draft boards? Who is he impressed? You know, what, what's behind this? Okay, so Obi had a Anthony Davis-like growth spurt from the time he was a junior in high school to his sophomore season this year um, at Dayton, where he grew six and a half inches in four years. Um, he went from being a point guard to now a stretch four, and so he has a great shot. He shot 60% from the field this year. Um, he can knock down the three. He's great in transition, a high flyer. I think he had three of the best dunks the entire season of college basketball in one game where he had a poster dunk. He had a 360 in transition. And then he did, um, he did the East Bay dunk, you know, uh, through the legs and transition and sure. all in one game. And so he was just, he, he was just rising at the right time. And I really think that the tournament um, could have skyrocketed him into a lock into a top three draft pick, but I think he did enough. And I think when teams go back and they look at who he is as an NBA draft prospect and what he did against teams, because they played Kansas, they played Colorado. I mean, he had 20 plus or more points against pretty good talent. Um, the only thing that I think would make him fall is just the fact that Dayton is a weak, is a weak conference and mm -hmm. they would want something a little more promising um, to go in that top three, top five. Are you convinced he's a top three talent? Yes, but I watched a lot of bad basketball this season, which means I watched a lot of Dayton games because yeah. they played a lot of bad teams. Um, I mean, they're, in, in this draft class, you're, you can poke and prod and find weaknesses anywhere, but I think he is enough to be a top three. Okay. And every team I talk to, they still think that it's a lock with James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, and LaMelo Ball, the three guys that we've talked to um, essentially in, in, in this podcast or during yeah. this podcast. But, um, when I bring up Obi Toppin, they're like, yeah, maybe, 
So it's still a question mark. You know, he's, he hasn't done enough to solidify himself, but for a guy like Anthony Edwards, who is extremely talented, but not necessarily a hard worker, um, I could see teams wanting to take Ovi over him. Yeah. And is he the safest pick? I mean, is he the highest floor, so to speak, Toppin? He is not the safest pick. I think James Wiseman is the safest pick. Why? In this entire draft. I mean, even though people are like, oh, he only played three games, but you have to yeah. understand that I went to uh, three Memphis practices during the preseason and then in the whatever, the three weeks that he was playing. And every practice I went to, the gym was packed with every single NBA team. So the fact that they were making a point to get out and see him just for practice, and he was dominating. I want like when I say dominating, I mean he made everybody else in that gym, including when Mike Miller put on a practice jersey and went head to head with him, he made everybody else look like they were amateurs and he was on the main stage. So I think with that and the fact that they saw him at McDonald's All American game and play against the guys that are in this draft class and at Hoop Summit, they've seen enough of James Wiseman to know what they're getting with him. I mean he's a seven one Perfect NBA center, you know, yep. who has a great motor and can knock down an outside jump shot. Great in the pick and pop and pick and roll. What more do you want? So then are, are the Warriors, you think, starting to play a little game like, of, you know, like sending smoke signals and, and trying to throw teams off? Because friend of the pod, Connor Letourneau, just released an article today that said that the Warriors are not considering um, – two players who everybody thought they were, LaMelo Ball and the second one was James Wiseman. So do you think that they're just doing that to kind of throw people off? Or do you, do you think they're not seeing kind of what you've been seeing? Um, I think they're doing that to throw them off because uh, in, in the times that, uh, yes, I, I think that they're doing that to throw people off. That's what I'll say on that. Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask you a follow-up, but it sounds like we shouldn't try, you know? So if you do feel like sharing what you were just about to say, we'd love to hear it. If uh, if not, I'll ask you a different question. Um, is there a player in this draft you just have a good feeling about? I mean, I'm not talking about talent, um, but just based on something you've seen, just a nagging optimism where you think this person is going to really pan out. It's hard to... Yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean, what position are we talking here? Just broad, broadly, like broad. I mean, it just is. Yeah, was there a name that popped to your mind when I when I gave you that description? I think somebody that will probably end up being a better player than they're than they're drafted is Texas Tech guard Javias Ramsey. Um, very explosive guard. He's got good size. He's six five. I think he he can play the one or two because let me tell you when NBA teams are looking at guards, it's no longer a point guard or shooting guard. They want someone that can step into either or role. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you're just a pure shooter, great, but you have to be able to handle the ball as well. And Jemias has a great downhill game. Um, wasn't a McDonald's all American. Again, he played at Texas tech had kind of up and down season, but I think at the end of the day, he could have a very long career. If Wiseman has the safest pick, right? If he has the highest floor, what's the other side to that? Who has the highest ceiling? And in fact, let me ask it a different way. If you're looking at this draft class and you had to pick one person who had a shot at winning an MVP in the NBA, who would it be? Uh, 
Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, just in the sense that we, I don't know, he had a very bad season at Washington this year, but he has the body of what NBA wings look like right now and has a really smooth jumper. And he kind of has like a Kevin Durant like frame, um, but that's Jaden McDaniels. Hmm. Um, he, he's got like, I think he's got his seven, he's, he's six, nine and has a seven foot one wingspan has yet to declare for the draft, but I know it's coming. Um, only average 13 points per game and 5.8 rebounds per game. Um, but I want to tell you like that kid came out of nowhere his junior year in high school. And just within about two months, he went from being just like a okay mid-major, um, four-star middle of the pack guy to Kentucky offer to Duke offering to North Carolina. Like he was the guy that everybody wanted. Hmm. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it was just the wrong system at Washington and, we might see him soar in the next few years, but um, he's just someone where a lot of NBA teams have huge question marks about. Is there an intangibles guy in this draft? Like someone like Draymond, right? Like somebody whose stats aren't going to blow anyone away, but when they're actually on the floor, their impact is going to you know, really help the team far more than you can see. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the second round and, um, what what a player like are you talking about like a small power forward that has yeah, the same no, impact as Draymond or no I'm sorry and it was a terribly phrased question and that's on me and to be uh <laughs> to be fair to me my four-year-old just came in and for no reason from what I can tell wiped her butt on my leg and then left and so like it, it tended to throw my question off and so you know let me let me give you a non-four-year-old butt question um and here's where I'll go um what I mean is someone who's going to impact the game with their defense um I I for years fell in love with sexy offensive players someone when I you know, like Wiseman, I'm sure he really helps offensively. But the thing I'm fired up about is his explosive ability to like rip a rim off. But now that I've had a chance to watch the impact that defense can have on the floor, you know, that you hear defense wins championships. Is there a defensive centric player in this draft? Oh, yes. And as soon as like there is how, there is the guy and that by guy. The way, Kristen, is, how much better was that phrase? I mean, that one was actually that was the, <laughs> able to you, you were able to. Do, and thank you so much for struggling through that last one. You like you actually pretended like I gave you a real question, which means the world to me. And you're in my good graces. But I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. Um, there is a guy like that. And his name's Onyeka Okongwu, Big O from yeah. um, Chino Hills, California, played at USC. He had... How many blocks did he have his first? He had eight blocks in his first game. He was second in the Pac-12 in block shots. Um, he averaged 16.2 points per game as a freshman. And, again, he was another one of those kids, kind of like Jemias Ramsey. He wasn't a McDonald's All-American. He was really hurt by that. He decided to let it motivate him. And within the first two games of the season, every NBA team had to get out to USC to see this kid play. So he is a monster on defense. His shot blocking timing is some of the best I've ever seen from a kid his age. Wow, that's a hell of a compliment. There are um, yeah. there are two other <laughs> yeah there are two other names that are starting to float around just for Warriors, and I wanted to get your take on them. Um, KP one is Isaac Okoro from mm-hmm. Auburn. Auburn, the, yep. Yeah, and then the second one is um, Killian Hayes, who. Mm-hmm. International, yeah, from Germany, yeah. Germany. What do you think of those two? Um, so Isaac uh, Auburn, he kind of. Do you know what? When you say Draymond, 
Isaac Okoro kind of has that Draymond mentality in the sense where he's not a great outside shooter, but he will get to the rim in whatever it takes. Like I'm talking triple team, uh, baseline driving in traffic. Like this kid is such a strong player. I mean, and it's hard. It's hard to do that, you know, in the SEC. And he was finding ways to get the ball in the hoop and get rebounds that I have never. Like you can't coach effort, right? And this kid wants nice. to play a game of basketball. He's very good. Um, averaged 12.9 points per game and only 4.4 rebounds, but. Um, He's yeah, just someone who right? teams, he's, he's yeah, someone that like teams, teams will probably overlook because he doesn't have a great outside shot, but he could make a huge impact for a program two or three years down the road. And then Killian Hayes, the other guy, um, he actually just declared for the draft. He's leaving the Euroleague early to come back, but um, he was born in Florida. His mom is French. His dad is American. He was over there playing internationally. Um, and his dad decided, like the mom said, well, we can we can go to America and he can go through and play up there. And his dad's like, no, I want him here over in Europe. I want him to go through the EuroLeague. I want him to play against guys that are five, six years older than him. And so he can work on his size and his toughness. Um, he is definitely, because he's an international guy, like not a lot of people know a lot about him, but he is a super, super strong and quick guard that can get them up and down the court and isn't afraid of, of like older competition. And that's kind of the confidence you need when you're that young entering the NBA. It sounds like his father is about as competitive as Marcus will be with his son <laughs> when he gets old, which is uh, nothing but a plus. Let's make this warrior centric uh, KP. And what I want to do is overuse a brand new segment because I enjoy it so much to figure out who you think the Warriors should draft. So the segment is this. It is called Brackets. It's based on the idea that we all love filling out brackets. So what we do is we come up with a question, then we use a bracket to figure out the answer to that question. The question is, who should the Warriors use their high draft pick on in this upcoming top-heavy draft? And Chris and I put together a eight-person bracket for you. I'm going to jump us right in with the 1-8 matchup. And what I'm assuming, um, and we'll see if it's true, but what I'm assuming is we'll get through these first rounds pretty quickly, get it down to a final four, and then figure out exactly who you think the Warriors should take. But let's jump in. Uh, the first guy I have at the number one slot is James Wiseman. We've talked about him already. 19 years old, seven foot one. 240 pounds, and in the 18 minutes of basketball he's played, he put up 19.7 points per game, 10.7 rebounds per game, and three blocks per game. I had number eight as R.J. Hampton, but just based on what you were saying, KP, I've switched that over to Big O, but because I didn't know he was going to be eight, I don't have stats for you. So oh. I assume, yeah, I assume that Big O is a center. Tell me a little bit more about him. Do you know what I mean? His his size, that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, he's a, he's 6'9", 245 pounds, um, average 16.2 points per game and 8.6 rebounds per game. Um, we already talked about his shot blocking. Um, he's a freshman. He played high school basketball with the Ball brothers. Um, so he and LaMelo are the same age. So he played with Lonzo and LiAngelo. Um, his, and then with LaMelo, his freshman and sophomore year. Um, 
So, Jesus Christ, are you yeah, like the I mean, rain man of college basketball? <laughs> if I throw a bunch of toothpicks on the ground, will you be able to tell me how many of there are down there? That was one of the most impressive things. I've, okay, from here on out, I'm just going to give you a name, and you can just fire off all of the uh, all the stats. Well, let's let's embrace the bracket angle on this. So looking, if you were Bob Myers, right, and you have to decide if you can only draft one of these two players, James Wiseman or the Big O for the Golden State Warriors, KP, who would you take? Okay, are you are you, you guys have the number one pick? Yep. The, let's this, say okay, they have. The num- say they got the number one pick. Okay, number one pick. Big O's not going number one. So James Wiseman. Yeah, fair enough. But if, and, you, guys, if you guys had, if you guys have like the fourth or fifth pick, I think Big O could go that high. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, and I I actually really like. Uh, let's set it up like this. So from here on out for each one of these players, when we're actually looking at the matchup, Wiseman versus Big O, for example, let's assume the Warriors have the number one pick. Who would you want between them? But when we kick somebody out exactly as you just did, tell us what pick the Warriors might need to get him, right? So we're going to move Wiseman on, but Big O would probably need a top four pick perhaps to secure him. We go to the other side of the bracket. I give you the two uh, overall seed, Obi Toppin, 22 years old, six foot nine, 220 pounds. We heard KP describe all of his various upsides, his stats at Dayton, 20 points per game, seven and a half rebounds, 2.2 assists, 1.2 blocks per game, uh, and 39% from three-point range, 63% from the field. The seven slot, a person KP described as a remarkably safe pick now and somebody who's made their way up the draft boards because of it. Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State, 20-year-old, six foot five, 175 pounds. He averaged uh, 15 points per game, six and a half assists per game, and 5.9 rebounds per game. Kristen, if they had to pick between Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton, who would you think they should take? This is really tough because then out of all these matchups, this is probably the one that I would have the most trouble with. But um, for the sake of it being number one, I'm going to say Obi Toppin. And why? Oh, just because he's more of what I think you guys need in terms of a player. And and like Tyrese is a straight up shooting guard, a combo guard. And you guys have that and Clay and Steph. And so he's not going to bring like the bizazz that Lamelo is going to bring in and the star power that Lamelo is going to bring in. So in that sense, I think if maybe you guys drop to like the five or six, then Tyrese would be there. Gotcha. It would be a great addition. Yeah. Let's go down to the three, six. It's getting a little bit more difficult now. Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard out of Georgia, 18 years old, six foot four, 225 pounds. We didn't talk about him a lot today, but we did the last time we had you on. Um, and I was left pretty impressed with his possible upside. Uh, his stats out of college, 19 points per game, 5.2 rebounds per game. Uh, 2.8 assists, 40% from the field, 29% from three-point range. And the sixth slot I have is Isaac Okoro um, out of Auburn, 19-year-old kid, 6'6", 225, 12.9 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, and two assists. I don't know that much about Isaac. Tell me about him. He's a pretty quiet kid. He's out of Atlanta. Um, You know, he's always been good. He's always been invited to McDonald's All-American, or not McDonald's All-American, I'm sorry, USA Basketball minicamps, and um, has always been explosive there, but he's never been the guy. And finally, when he had the platform at Auburn and the offense that they run, he kind of was able to just play his style of basketball and be the guy in that offense. Um, 
And so it was really, it really highlighted him and it was smart for him to go to a place like Auburn instead of going to a blue blood school where he probably would have been hidden a little bit more at a place like Kentucky. I know Kentucky was one of his finalists. So um, yeah, quiet guy, loves the game of basketball, really hard worker. I'm super excited for him in this draft for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and with Ant, I mean, you know, I love Anthony Edwards and if we're talking about needs and you guys don't need Anthony Edwards, like there's no reason for Golden State to take Anthony Edwards. So I'm going to shock the world. I'm picking Isaac Okura over Anthony Whoa. Edwards. <laughs> I did not foresee <laughs> that and wish I had more collegiate basketball knowledge to somehow fight back against you. So instead, I'll turn to our uber competitive soon to be parent Marcus, apparently, and say, hey, MT, do you agree with this? Ah, I don't. I think, I think Isaac's lack of a jump shot scares me too much. I know we don't need it, uh, you know, with Steph and Clay, assuming they're back full time and healthy and taking the majority of the shots. But um, I just think Anthony Edwards has a similar, you know, like body type that's great for the NBA and is a streaky enough shooter that if we can get our hands on him and get Steve Nash to work with him a little bit on consistency, that he can knock it down more regularly than Isaac would. And at that point, then, you know, they're close enough that I'd rather have somebody who has a little more on the offensive end. But um, I could see why Isaac would be a, a sexy pick for, for an upset. KP, I'm all I'm saying, all, all I'm saying is, is if you want an NBA ready shooter, I mean, you might as well just go all the way down to Aaron Naismith, like he, the the kid from Vanderbilt who averaged 23 points per game. I mean, like I get what you're saying, but in terms of locking it down and spending millions and millions of dollars on players, I mean, why are you going to pay for a guy that you already have two of on the same team? I don't know, but I love I love Ant, and I hope he goes number one. And I hope you prove me wrong and that the Warriors take him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes down to me. And unfortunately enough, I like to please guests so much that 100 percent, KP, I'm going to go with you. Um, and the reason why I say it's unfortunate and I, I let me take away the jokes. Um, your analysis on why would we want to bring kind of sand to the beach kind of thing, you know, that that speaks to me. If we are already loaded at playmaking guards, then we don't need to bring in another playmaking guard whom we would hopefully have to pay a ton of money down the line. So if Okoro can fit a need that Edwards does not, I will absolutely go in that direction. The reason I'm a little bit disappointed is because Edwards is such a sexy name. So to lose him out of the bracket is interesting. You know, I mean, he you see Anthony Edwards in a, in a top five analysis across almost all of the mock drafts. But he's gone and we go to Isaac Acor. Let me put him in. We go to the other uh, side trying of the to- I'm trying to give some upset here. You know what I mean? This is what March Madness is. I'm just trying to shake it up a little bit. That's all. I, I, I like it. Also, really, I just like disagreeing with Marcus KP. So you had me right there. I mean, let's go. Four, five slot. Denny Avija, five, LaMelo Ball. Let me describe both of them. Um, we spoke about both of them during our last pod. Denny Avija playing in the professional league over in Israel, 19-year-old, 6'9", 215 pounds. Currently averaging 14.1 points per game, 7.4 boards, three assists, a block, and about a steal. 
And then LaMelo Ball seems to be maybe the most volatile uh, of this draft. Depending on who you talk to, you'll get a bunch of different opinions. I got him as the five slot, as I mentioned. He's playing out of Australia, 18-year-old, six foot seven, 180 pounds. And he averaged 17 points per game, seven assists, and 7.5 rebounds per game. Um, Maxime, let me bring you in here. If you had to decide between Denny and LaMelo, which way would you go? Uh... I'd go with Denny, and that's based a lot on the influence that KP has had on me in in the times that we've spoken in the past, um, and just you know now hearing that um, from from our boy Connor Laterno that maybe um, Lamelo is not in the conversation um, for us, and I'm gonna trust I'm gonna trust the experts in the room on that one. Yeah, what do you think, KP? I I'm going against the green. I'm going with Lamelo. I Why? I believe that he brings. He brings some excitement to an already Splash Brothers team. And, you know, you're going to get some exciting plays from LaMelo. And let me just say, like, I saw him play two games when I was over in Australia, and his team sucks. And if he's averaging seven assists, if his teammates would have finished or caught even half the passes that they dropped and turned over, he'd average definitely, definitely, definitely 10 or more assists per game. He's that good of a passer and has that tight of a handle and reads reads the floor really, really well. Let me ask you this. The people who LaMelo's playing against in his professional games, are they better or worse than the people who James Wiseman was practicing against in those those instances you saw him dominate? And, and, and it's a real question. They, you know? No, 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 for sure. I, they are definitely better than the Memphis college basketball team. But the players that Denny is playing against over in Europe are better yep. than the Australian league players that LaMelo is playing against. Okay. Okay. Uh, MT, I'll give you a chance to strike back at your girl KP here. Um, <laughs> Denny V LaMelo, who do you put in the next round? Into the um, Yeah, I'm striking back. I'm going Denny. Um, <laughs> and it's, and it's based on what KP said last time that if we had to, give a comparison it would be you know like Luca and not saying that Denny's going to be as good as Luca Doncic is but um when I saw tape of Luca I wasn't a believer I thought that he didn't move quick enough I didn't think that his game would translate as well as it has um in the NBA so I see flashes of that in the film that I've seen of Denny and I feel like he could be a Luca light version um, in the right situation. I think the Warriors present that right situation where he doesn't have to be, you know, he's like the third, fourth option, you know, at most, at earliest. So um, I think Denny, just for those reasons, even though LaMelo would bring excitement, I don't think we need any of that. I think Steph and Clay will bring enough of that to, to fill a stadium, and we just need players who can contribute and kind of be fit what we need a little bit better. <laughs> I think the description for this podcast is going to be incredible. We welcome in our draft guru and expert just to disagree with her as we go through <laughs> whom the Warriors should pick with a top five. No, but you guys, you guys are, you're all like, I mean, they're all great points. Like Denny is a great player. He could go number one, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it, this is a crazy draft. It's going to be a crazy, insane draft. Well, let's keep it on that side of the bracket. And now we have a 1-4 matchup. James Wiseman versus Denny Avija. If you guys were Bob Myers, between those two, who would you pick? Kristen, start us off. 
I'm going James Wiseman. I mean, just like I said, the teams I've been talking to, they're looking for the sure bet yeah. thing here. And I think James Wiseman is as sure as you know what you're going to get out of, out of a player. We had somebody on last week who used a couple of names when talking about James Wiseman. They used the name Kevin Garnett and they used the name Chris Webber. Kind of distinct and different playing styles. Um, do you think either of those comparisons fit in your mind for Wiseman? Yeah, Kevin Garnett is pretty close, I would think. Um, wow. It's funny when I I I, I talked to when I talked to James, I I asked these guys the same questions, um, and I said, "Who are your influences at the next level? Like when you're working on your game, who do you look up to?" And he gave pretty interesting answers when he said David Robinson, huh? which he said he's he's like yeah he he said he loves to watch old David Robinson tape and try to mirror that as a game, and then he said he watches a lot of Anthony Davis since that's like the new modern sure. center. Yeah, that's interesting. So. Yeah. I'm trying to think of someone whose highlights are more boring than David Robinson's. And I so far <laughs> I've come up with nobody. And he was, I mean, he's a great player. I mean, like, it's not really like a criticism, but he wasn't uh, the most explosive. I'll jump in here and uh, cement it. I've got a weirdo crush on James Wiseman and it's only gotten a lot bigger after hearing you describe him, KP. So I will push Wiseman into the finals, which puts us on the other side of the bracket the number two seed versus the surprise six seed upset uh, <laughs> to Obi Toppin, six, uh, Isaac Okoro. I'll again turn it to you, Kristen. Who would you take between those two? I would take Obi all day, yeah. Just the fact, I mean, you said his stats. Like, he shot 62% from the, from the field and almost 40% from the three-point line, and he's a, he's 6'9". He's a 6'9'4". Can he, can, can he keep that percentage up when the defense is going to take the giant leap that it'll take when he leaves Dayton and ends up in the NBA? But will the defense really increase that much in the sense where it's like, yeah, With I know Dorton. NBA team is much more, but they their defense isn't really highlighted in there. So in the sense where it's like, if you already have that confidence to be shooting that many shots and be averaging that, like what those numbers, I mean, I, I think that's more of like a, a confidence thing and not yeah. so much a, oh, no, now I'm playing against NBA players. It's like, And then you also have to factor in the three-point line. And, you know, I know they moved it back in college, but isn't it even farther in the NBA? Am I right on no, that? No, yes, yes. No, you're definitely okay. right. But, I mean, but to back also what you're saying, what you what I am not factoring in is the gravity that people like Steph and Clay and maybe even Wiggins brings. You know, if, if Obi Toppin was able to shoot that as – presumably the focal point of Dayton's offense, and he now becomes, what, the fourth option at, at best on the Warriors, chances are he's going to have a lot of open shots. So if you can if you can knock him down at that clip, it makes sense. Uh, Marcus, maybe you guys will finally agree. What do you think, man? Obi versus Isaac. Yeah, I'm going Obi too. I'm going to agree with the guru. Um, I, th I think, you know, Obi fits better. He's an exciting player, um, plays well above the rim to uh, KP's point, that game where he had those three dunks. Um, there were some impressive dunks, and they were ones that um, you see in the NBA. So um, he's a high flyer. Um, I think he fits well. And um, there's been reports that he and his parents have both said that his choice is the Warriors too. So anytime you want to go play for the team that is has the worst record in the league, I think that says something too, even though obviously they have Steph and Clay coming back. Um, I still think it shows something that he, he knows what he wants and 
you know, we'll take people who, who want to be there. You know why that doesn't mean that much to me? So I saw that make a big splash. And I, and I love the idea of anybody who wants to be here. But what immediately stuck out to me was, or what I remembered was, Steph, during his draft class, um, and when he ultimately fell to us at number seven, his dad made it very clear that he did not want to play here. They, they wouldn't actually work out for the Warriors. Now we fast forward to where we are. He's the face of the franchise. He's turned us around. They were a dynasty underneath him. And so, like, there doesn't have to be a direct correlation between mm-hmm. does this person want to be here and whether or not they'll succeed here, right? Nope. I'm sticking to it. If you want to be here, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm sticking up for our draft guru, MT. Just know that I'm coming after you from here on out. We set up the finals, and I want all of our opinions on it. Um, and I'm glad it ended up being these two players. So on one side, James Wiseman, center, all-world athlete. I'll give you his stats one more time, or at least the physical ones. 19 years old, seven foot one, 240 pounds. On the other side, a guy for me at least, since I'm not a huge college hoop fan, who came out of nowhere recently, Obi Toppin, our two seed, 22 year old, six foot nine out of Dayton, uh, 220 pounds, and as I mentioned, he put up about 20 points per game on 39% shooting. Um, let's save you for our last pick, KP. We'll crescendo your way. I'll go first. I already told you I had a crush on him. I'll make it official now, James Wiseman. Um, it wouldn't have mattered who he was matched up with here. He would have been my guy. Not only is it his athleticism, but it's the need that he immediately fills for Golden State. Uh, we add him to a young three-headed center that also includes Marquise Chris and uh, Kevon Loon. I really like what that position can do. And maybe he can become the type of superstar that will uh, transition into our franchise guy as Steph gets a little bit older. So uh, it's Wiseman for me. Maxime, who you got? I'm I'm going to disagree. I'm heavily in favor of Obi. Um, I think there's a lot of upside for him. I've heard some people being concerned that he might be redundant with Pascal, but I feel like he is a very different power forward. Um, I think, you know, he, he's got a lot more. His I mean, just right now, his assist to turnover ratio is one to one. And that speaks to a different type of individual that's a lot more of a, of a team player, say, than what we see in Eric Pascal. Um, so not to set up a straw man, I just think it's really important important to understand the place that he's going to fit in into our system. I'm really excited about him. I think he's got a lot of potential. And on the other hand, um, I, I, in some of the stuff that I've seen from Wiseman, uh, I've, I will say that there's a little bit to be desired about his shooting range. Um, and I'm, I guess, you know, that's a small sample size and, and KP, I definitely defer to you as you've seen a lot more than I have the luxury of being able to see, but um, I think Obi fits fits a lot of the boxes that we need, not just now, but going forward. Um, and we're sort of uh, a league that's shifting away from centers anyways. So uh, I just, I feel mm-hmm. like there's a, a longer bet to be made for Obi Topin. Nope, that was wrong. Sorry. And I don't like that Kristen made a noise that suggested she agrees with you, but I guess we'll find out in a couple of picks. <laughs> we'll go over to you, MT. Uh, who's your take? All right, KP, get ready to make some more noises. Um, I'm going to go with Obi as well. I think the way that the game is moving to Maxime's point is away from the, the type of game that Wiseman brings. Um, when the Warriors were at their best, you know, they had, you know, JaVale McGee starting and then going to the bench after and playing 12 minutes a game. But our best lineups were the ones that were a little more versatile. They were the death lineups. They were the smaller ones. 
where we could switch more often. And um, I just don't, I don't think James Wiseman, I think he's the better player, but I think the better fit for the Warriors is Obi. I think, you know, he would just fit in seamlessly. His, his shot from beyond the arc is, is what makes it, puts it over the top for me. I think What about that, Wiggins? Don't we already have him? Didn't we just sign him via trade? Yeah, but he's, Obi, to me, I think is just a, a, a better fit. I think those guys would be flying around the court. They would have fun doing it. Obi has a lot of fun on the court when he's playing. You can just tell he's always smiling and beaming. So I just think he fits our culture a little bit better and our style of play a little bit better. And, um, you know, Wiseman would be good. He'd be good to bang up against Anthony Davis and a couple other, you know, the Jokic's who, you know, drain Draymond when he has to go in there and play up against him. But I just think at the end of it, we have to f- pick who's a better fit for our style and our, our current roster. And I think um, Obi. Give, give us our answer, KP. And yeah, I mean, it shouldn't matter at all, but you may want to remember that I was the person who backed you early on. But no, jokes aside, <laughs> who do you got? I mean, I, I really want your answer to this. Okay. If the Warriors have the number one pick, they're going to take James Wiseman. If it's two to five to six, then they'll take Obi. And the reason I say that is, Marcus, you kind of touched on it. It's like, you're not just looking at the offensive style. Yes, you guys are the, have the Splash Brothers. You like the run and gun and shoot threes and everything. But you you need the size to bang with the big guys, with Giannis and with Anthony Davis, even like a little bit with LeBron, you know, when he's trying to muscle down there and, and Jokic. Like, you need the size to bang with the bigs in the West. Otherwise, you're never going to make it out of of the, you know, the conference. So that's the only re- like, and and I think James. I've seen him play since he was a sophomore in high school. I think he's a very good player. He's quiet, and I think his quiet demeanor comes off as he doesn't care. And I don't get that at all. And I think I already shared this fun fact with you. But when I asked him, I said, "What's your favorite food or favorite restaurant?" He told me Baskin Robbins. Like that was kind of fun because you, you forget like, oh, he's a kid. Wow. He really eats ice cream every day. By fun, do you mean terrifying? Um, <laughs> because I don't like, that's not something I want to hear at all. I'm just, I just <laughs> went out on a rim to say like, we need to get this guy number one. If he's eating like Lucky Charms and ice cream every day, I'm not sure that's a good thing. Aren't there players that like eat a ton of candy before games every day? Like, aren't, aren't isn't that what the NBA is known for? Is like players that eat Skittles before games and... Yeah, Dwight no. Howard. I don't know. Derek oh. Rose used to eat gummy bears all the time. Oh, that he was a big – Markel Fultz was on the sideline eating crap when he wasn't playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. See, so ice cream isn't too bad if you think about what sort of a – you just named another number one pick right there. So yep. James is in – he's an okay company. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know that I want that so kind me, of comparison. I know, I know, but let me just reiterate what I, what I said. Number one, you, there's no way you can't, you cannot take Obi over James at number one. But two to five to six is that whatever. Why? I think that is a great just because, like, just what I told you when we first jumped on the podcast. Like teams, is, there's a lot of uncertainty, and so they're going to put their investments in the best bet. Yep. And there are going to be teams that are looking at, okay, the number one pick. That's a lot of money. That is yep. a lot of money. Yep. And if you choose Obi over someone like James, and then he just becomes like a background role player, because like you said, he's going to be the fourth option, and he's 
his confidence starts to lose or he's not doing much, you know, then he might just fade out as the number one draft pick. But I feel like if someone like James, he's because of his size, he's seven one. He's got what a seven three wingspan. He's super tall, really kind of a presence in the lane. You're going to want that on your team and you're going to be able to utilize him as soon as possible. And there's a sexiness to his game, right? And, and with the number one overall pick, I almost feel like you don't want to go safe. You want to go explosive. Am I wrong? Yeah, usually, but I don't know. <laughs> and then, but I, I go, I go back and forth with the, and Marcus to your point, like to centers, you know, how much are we utilizing centers in the NBA right now? When you look at years past when DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley both went number one and number two, what are they doing in the West right now? They're not nearly as, you know, used as we all thought they would be because they just were like eons above everybody else on the high school and college level. But what are they doing now? So I think teams, especially in the West, are looking at that and be like, is James another DeAndre Ayton? Do we not want that? Right. You know, maybe we do go Anthony Edwards and just get another guard who we know that is going to be a great NBA addition. I'd like to back up and Bram said, am I wrong? And you said, usually. I think that that was perfectly timed. <laughs> oh, I think we all heard it. Oh, I, I feel like we all heard it and understood what happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah thank you. What do you like? want to make I, sure. I, I was really hoping to relive 30 seconds ago when I just got crushed in my face <laughs> trying to associate with our guests. But I appreciate that. Thank you. That's, that's fantastic. Am I wrong? Usually. Yeah, I think you're a terrible father, Marcus. I think you're a terrible. I know that you're not even a dad yet, and I think you're a terrible father. And I want you to suck on that. It, uh, it is what it is. Um, I, 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 we ended exactly where I was hoping to end. Um, and let me ask you one final question, Christian, because we talked about this a little bit uh, last week. One of the things we considered was a trade with this pick. Right. If if we don't know who Wiseman will be necessarily, um, we're not sure who Obi Toppin will be. Then should the Warriors consider cashing it in for someone who they do know, a known commodity? And the name we threw out there was Miles Turner out of Indiana. So if it were up to you, right? So now the Warriors had the number one pick. They went through this whole bracket analogy. They whittled it down. They've got James Wiseman in their sights. And right before they announce Wiseman with the number one pick, they get a call from Indiana who offers them Miles Turner, let's say straight up, just for the purposes of this question. Do you think they should make that trade? Yes. What do they get out of it? They just get Miles Turner and they lose the number one draft pick? And they'd, let's say they'd lose the number one draft pick. Then, then let me give you the actual trade we did last time. It would be the number one draft pick, Marquise Chris, and it would require the $17 million trade exception. And they get back Turner. I mean, it, I don't understand all like the money logistics and whatever and everything, yeah. but a let's lot of people that. are going to look. Okay, a lot of people are going to look back on this draft and it's going to be criticized, right? Because of no tournament, no workouts, no combine, no nothing. So there's going to be a lot of question marks. And so to just, for a team where like, are you, is James Wiseman better than Miles Turner? Maybe, but it's not going to be that much better at this point in time. So if you want someone for the sure thing, then and you want to kind of like shake your hands of this draft and be like, we don't want anything to do with it, then I would make the trade. Because this draft, I mean, they're, uh, I don't like this draft at all. You know that. I, next year is way, way better. And I'm glad you guys have a pick. I sent you some guys that I think 
that they could get in that 13 to 18 range next year. But um, yeah, I would do the trade. I hope you're ready for another full quarantine podcast about next year's draft, because the second <laughs> we hang up, we'll be texting you and begging you to come back on. Um, I said that I would do it. I was on board to make the trade, and it's because it was known commodities. The stupid analogy I made, it's like trading two lottery tickets whose outcomes you don't know for one that already won 100 bucks. And Turner is young enough where, you know, sure, we know exactly who he is. He fits a need. I would make the trade. Um, and if memory serves, both Marcus and Maxime were against it, boys. Is that still true? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a high roller. Wow, it's a, it's an even even split again. Wow, it's too much to give up. It's too much. I think There's... if it was straight up, then I get it. it. You're if you're trading, you know, like um, the potential of Wiseman versus the proven commodity of Miles Turner, then I get it. But adding in Marquise Chris and our 17 million dollar exception to me is three players and I think that's too much for Miles Turner like that 17 million dollar exception we can target a player like a Joe Harris or you know a Will Barton we can tar target somebody who can immediately contribute to the team and give us some nice depth and I think to give all that up including the potential of a Wiseman or Obi Toppin just for Miles Turner is too much I'm not gonna I, I, I agree with that I, I kind of, I, you're, Marcus, you're making me change my mind. If it was a straight up, then I would take Miles Turner. But if you're giving up essentially two players plus $17 million, that's a lot. And then there was one. All I had to do was not ask Marcus's opinion. And you and I, <laughs> Christian, would have agreed with one another. Although I will say this is a much better ending. There's something that's not so great about spending the better part of an hour figuring out exactly who the Warriors should pick. And then the last question be like, oh, yeah, you should definitely trade that pick. Don't you worry about that. You should get rid of that as fast as you no can. Doubt. KP, you are crazy fun. True every week. Absolutely true this week. We need you more than ever right now. Your sports knowledge, your view of the game, your view of the draft, the whole nine yards. So those of us who need more of you in our life where should we go uh you can follow me on twitter at kristen peak or um, on instagram at kristen peak as well and yeah that's basically where i live my basketball life on those <laughs> two platforms if you want to hear uh, Marcus and I disagree or what it sounds like when I completely lose a question that's in my mind as my four-year-old wipes your ass on my knee, we can be found at Warriors Huddle. Uh, generally speaking, if you want to shoot us an email, it's warriorshuddle at gmail.com. Our Twitter account is at Warriors Huddle. We appreciate you guys. Go Warriors. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good.